This is Patrick Hornquist of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. Joining me now in studio, he is the constructor and conductor of DKPittsburghSports.com. It's Serbian reactionary Dejan Kovacevic. Dejan, before we talk Penguins, uh, what was your take on the Tom Wilson suspension? 20 games that equates to an over million dollar fine. I'm surprised they gave him that much. But somehow it still doesn't seem like enough. You know, I, I'd i be crazy to criticize it. Uh, I called publicly for exactly 20 and never, never thought they would do it, uh, even though there was every reason to, especially from the repeat offender start. If you look at the video that the Department of Player Safety put out, they almost cut it into two parts, where one, they dissected the hit, and two, they went over his history. And that was actually the right thing to do. If you're a repeat offender, and they said that he's had four suspensions or suspensions for headshots and uh, at least three other borderline occasions I can recall where he very easily could have been suspended in a span over 105 games I mean at some point or other you do give the guy the Matt Cook treatment and that's what this was I, I guarantee you though although he never was going to come up in an announcement like this that they looked at what Matt Cook did and the way they handled that and remember that Cook's suspension was 17 games but with an asterisk because it had something to do with how far the Penguins advanced in the playoffs, et cetera. So the, the closest proximity... I think he got suspended for the remainder of the playoffs. Yeah, but whatever that so was going to be. So that suspension was actually, in theory, more severe, but the Penguins went out, so it didn't, uh, didn't add up to more than 20. This is 20, and this is a quarter of his paycheck, and this is him uh, not being out there with the defending champions, and if that doesn't get through that skull, I, I can't imagine whatever will. It won't. I guarantee he'll be suspended again. Why do you say that? Because he's an idiot. Well, okay, because that's his, obvious, because but I mean... it's his nature. You don't think anything Dejan, will get through. He is a predatory sociopath. Did you see Matt Cook John change? Wayne Gacy just kept killing did, and killing and that's killing. That's good. Did you, did you see Matt Cook change when he came back from his suspension? Yeah, for a while. Then he took out Tyson Barry's knee. He did, but it made it look really accidental, didn't he? It, it was about as accidental <laughs> as uh, I just Matt, Matt Dejan, Like I said, those guys can't help but be themselves. No, it's true. I, you, just, you think about the pro, the thought process, if any, and I put that in giant parentheses as he's coming across the ice and sees Oscar Sundquist, the most harmless human being on the planet. Would well, be in fair, a Oscar has a really game, big head in a preseason, but he has a really frail frame. You don't. You can just kind of flick. Oscar with one finger and he's going to knock over. It was you know? awful. awful. Let's move on to the Penguins. Uh, we had Chris Letang and Mike Sullivan on earlier today. And we you had quite the show, what by the show. way. Yeah, You almost would think Liverpool won. Uh, uh, we talked about the Penguins' defense core. I think the whole group is underrated, Dejan. I think it's the best defense core in Eastern Conference. I really do. I think Ricola adds depth. Johnson adds quality. I don't think there's a weak spot. And there was last year when Ruedel had to play too much. It's funny, there's a lot of talk, and there should be, about what San Jose has done by adding Eric Carlson to a group that already had Brent Burns, Mark Edward, Vlasic. Might be too many cooks. Might be too many, and it might be too many hockey cards, to borrow your own term. Yes. However, however, Nashville then is, is another argument that you can make. In the Eastern Conference, I think it's fair to discuss the Penguins, certainly from the standpoint of depth, but there are a couple of... Uh, disclaimers that you have to throw in there. Chris Letang has to get back to being his best self. I think Justin Schultz has to become a little bit more productive points-wise than he was last season. If you have those two guys, then you start getting into that kind of argument, Mark, because now you're talking about two number ones, and that's where those debates tend to go. Beyond that, depth-wise, 
especially with Jack Johnson here, this version that we've seen in the preseason and with Yuso Ricola emerging the way he has, depth-wise, I would argue that this defensive group is deeper than the two cup teams. I think that argument can be made. Now, Ricola is not going to play tomorrow if Dumoulin can. No. Uh, should Ricola be in the lineup? Does he have that opportunity to work his way in, even if everybody's healthy? And who does he have a chance to beat out? You know, there's a locker room culture that you have to uh, that you have to make sure that you're fostering and taking care of as a coach. Uh, we often refer to locker room culture now in a negative sense because we're talking about the Steelers. Uh, in the Penguins locker room, you want to take care of what's there. Believe me, uh, those guys are the ones, other than Jack Johnson, who were with them. Uh, through the playoffs and through, in a lot of cases, through the championships, they're not going to just take the guy at the bottom of the rung. And let's say that that's Jamie Alexiak, because it probably is. Alexiak's had a really good camp. I've been writing that. It's not as sexy a storyline. Uh, everyone wants to hear about the yeah, kid. There's just no way to get Ricola in there right there now. There just isn't right now. And 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 if if that happens uh, in, over the next two, three games, great. If it doesn't, he does have to go down, Mark. He can't just sit here in the press box in Pittsburgh. That said, if a left-handed defenseman got hurt, I think he'd get recalled and jump right into the lineup. Now, staying with the defense, will Latang play less like the GM says? Uh, I, I joked about that with Latang yeah, and he... Sullivan today, and both of them <laughs> seemed to think that Latang's minutes would stay where they were at. Yeah, and I, I'm surprised Latang didn't bite your head off for just asking. It's not a question he he particularly appreciates. Um, yeah, he and I are a good act. Yeah, I know you are. Um, I've I brought it up with him a couple of times, and uh, he he doesn't get mad at me. I think he gets mad at the situation. No, no, he, he gets, gets mad he, that he, it was brought up. He gets mad up. that people think it's a good idea. Well, he gets mad. Let's be candid here, and he can't say this, so I will. The, the Jim Rutherford brought it up at all in the offseason. He doesn't like that. Yeah, he believes that he's earned his measure of respect, and he thinks that he has shown management uh, in the course of this summer and now through camp and preseason that he's back to 100% health. He's been really good, Mark. Oh, I know. And that's... That means more than maybe anything other than Matt Murray's performance going into this coming well, well, season. Let, let's stay with that because people say Latang and Murray got a bounce back. Yeah, and I get it, but I don't think either one was terrible. No, they last weren't. Year. They, they weren't. They just have set such a high bar. They have, but so did the team, and that's where the bar that's right. is really set. And when you talk about where a player needs to be performing with the Penguins, you're talking about at a championship level. Uh, it's not acceptable for Matt Murray to have. I looked this up last night. Uh, an 869 save percentage when the Penguins were shorthanded. Think about that for a second. Who's got to be your best penalty killer? The goalie. Every time. Yep. And he wasn't. Uh, he was not doing well on lateral passes. He wasn't doing well on one timers. We saw that time and time again. Uh, he's got to be better. And he knows that. And he said that. And, and he believes that he will be through a weight training program where he's going to keep more. Wait on, uh, build up his stamina. Latang, we've already talked about. These guys are pivotal, and I use that term in the precise measure there. They are pivotal to what the Penguins are doing this season, more so than anyone else, these two. We're talking to Dejan Kovacevic, brought to you by Walnut Grill. Sprong's on the fourth line. Yeah, he is. But it's a pretty good fourth line, and I don't think they'll make him chip and chase. As long as he's not made to play like a stereotypical fourth liner, I think that's okay. It's, at any rate, there's no way to move him up. No, there's no way to move him up, and at least with the fourth line, he's going to be out there with two highly responsible individuals. Well, real old guys, the one. 
Well, Matt Cullen, not just the old in the defensive sense, but also Riley Shane in the sense that he plays all 200 feet and he's great no, 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 at supporting no, no. I the actually, puck. Okay? I actually think those are two good guys to play with Sprong. Right, but also for another reason. We all know that Matt Cullen is great with uh, communicating, not just with... To him, everybody's a kid, okay? But to everybody on the team, Matt Cullen's not afraid to go over to Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin and say, hey, you got to be doing this. And that's a valuable thing to have. But with Sprong, it's invaluable. It's it's fantastic for him to be around him. I spoke with Sprong about that very thing, and he said he's already appreciated being out there uh, with Colin, but also hearing what he has to say on the bench and learning from him. How will Derek Broussard do? Can he adjust to that role? Uh, third line, center, third line minutes. He's a guy who was always one of his team's top guys mm-hmm. before, top six. And I don't think he rebelled against it last year, nope. but I think it's among... The things that made him hiccup a bit. Can I overinflate a preseason game just for the sake of answering this question? Why not? Why not? Uh, I covered this game in Columbus last Friday where he did things, never mind the two goals that he scored, both of which were pretty nice. Uh, the fact that he was doing things specifically on the rink that I hadn't seen him do at any point last season, Mark, moving up the middle of the rink, going to the net, spraying Sergei Bobrovsky. When did you ever even see him go within 50 feet of the net? When he was with the with the Penguins last season, he feels comfortable with Brian Rust. That means a ton. He also likes, and I know this is a lightning rod on your show. He also likes a lot playing with Dominic Simone. He feels like he supports him well. He gets him the puck and he lets Broussard do the cycling that he likes to do. It's been a very good line in the preseason. It'll be fascinating to see if that plays out. Gensel was a topic to me. Uh- because he was kind of disappointing during the regular season. And, you know, it was his second full pro season. Uh, uh, and he looked like he wore out a little bit. Uh, you know, because he played, what was it, 99 games the, yeah. year, the year before. Not uh, a big dude. <laughs> well, no, no. But he busted out in the playoffs, which says a lot about him, too. It also says a lot about the Philadelphia goaltending, to be fair. But, okay. What are you expecting from him this year? I, I expect to see a version of Jake Gensel that is more consistent in terms of two things. One, he's determined to go to the net more often. Uh, If you look at when he's gotten into his slumps and then gotten out of them, he's always done it by going to the net. You don't think of a little guy like that as being a net front guy, but there's a reason he's the Penguins' net front guy when Patrick Hornquist is hurt. The coaching staff loves what he does there. Uh, The other reason is that he spent the summer working uh, with his dad, of course, the old college hockey coach, that's why he's so good with Sid, by the way, because he understands he's him. a coach's son, yep. he's a paint-by-numbers kid. Yep, and the other thing that he worked with his dad was repeatedly thousands and thousands and thousands of shots because he's working to release faster because you understand that when you're playing with Sidney Crosby, the chances will be there. You have to not be uh, in a position where you're thinking about the shot that you're about to make. It just has to happen, and it has to fly off your stick in a raging hurry more than anything, regardless of accuracy. So I do think you're going to see him be a little bit of a different player and more consistent. Dejan, I'm contractually obligated to talk about Lev Bell Boo. a bit. I know, I'm sick Meaning of the topic, not him. I actually like the guy. I just I can't find any fresh material no, here. He, what else he, are you going to say? He's a dink. He's a jerk. He's a liar. He's not a jerk. Sure he is. He his, his agent's a he, goofball, oh, and his agent has him wrapped agent around his... represents him. His agent is an extension I understand, of him. I understand that. I respect that. I also know that this guy has Le'Veon Bell wrapped around his pinky finger and has had had him that way for months now. That's what they said about Sting. Uh, I just got that. Should the Steelers automatically <laughs> take Bell back? 
Because I think it should depend on what their record is after six games. I see no point to bringing him back if they're one four and one. Well, your benefit to not having him in that case is is all salary cap based, or you know you're trying to work out some kind of trade. Although the trade deadline ends up creeping around that stage too. Um, the other thing is is that you'd be raising a white flag, and there's nothing in these guys' DNA, uh, the Roonies. Kevin Colbert, Mike Tomlin, that would suggest that they would do anything like that. Don't forget, in 2013, they were 0-4 after that loss in London, and they ended up with a 500 record. So they never see themselves as out of it. So I don't see anything like if that. If they're 1-4-1, one, one, they're out of it. What, Bell's going to come back? They're going to win 9-10 and 10 with them? Who's going to run off with this division? The division's all that matters. Oh, you're, you're talking just like they want you to. Okay, who's going to run off with the division? Somebody besides them. Who? I don't. I'm not seeing it. I'll bet you noisy grand. I mean, right Baltimore's now, Baltimore's got a little bit of something going on right now. Maybe Cincinnati does. Uh, the Cleveland thing is completely phony. Uh, I just don't see it. You don't. You can look at the conference standings all you want. Ultimately, it still comes down to winning the AFC North. If you do that at seven and nine, then you've won it. Yeah, they're not going to win the division. Uh, and in that vein, is the Steelers' season just mangled? They're one, two, and one, but it feels like they're screwed already. And that's not just because of their record. It just seems like. I don't see anything on a given Sunday or Monday night that gives me hope. Now, what what's bothered me the most about this start has been there have been stretches where they're just not focused. Now, I've, including my columns and coming here on this show with you, I have defended them passionately from the intangible standpoint, including me and you getting into it here pretty good well, at times. Okay, All that stuff's added up. But right now... Mark, there were points in that game the other day where it was just flagrantly obvious that the Ravens wanted it more. And I hate to reduce analysis of a sporting event to something that basic. Because when you thrive, when you exist in chaos all the time, when things go bad, the easiest thing to do is to give up, to just get out of that web. And when you're looking at Baltimore and how structured they were and the way they broke the huddle and the way they were breaking tackles... Uh, you know, running right up the gut against established defenders, guys who I know individually care a ton, but it's not happening collectively. And you can take this comparable across sports and you'll find similar situations. Guys can be trying hard, working hard, but not working smart. And that's a lack of focus. That's a lack of togetherness. And that's what I'm seeing with the Steelers, especially in that game. Maybe they can flip the switch and get that right against Atlanta, but I don't see it. I just don't see it right now. Even if they beat Atlanta, just the same way they beat Tampa, I don't see that coming. Why can't Ben and A.B. get on the same page? Ben's throwing bad balls. I mean, You think A.B.'s not gotten not got to do with it? I, I think he's got very little to do with it based on what I've watched, including isolating on A.B. I keep waiting, actually, to be honest with you, for a reason to blame A.B. for some of it. I've watched to see if is he in any kind of special coverage. No. Uh, he's Is he getting open still? Yeah. He's getting targeted. He's getting targeted, but the targets have, in most cases, been lousy. I mean, balls at his feet, balls a mile over his no, head, ben, out of ben, bounds. Ben's got to be playing He has to better. play better. Got to be thrown more accurately in particular. Yes. But I don't see A.B. getting separation on the breaks, and it looks like, well, he always mangled rots once in a while. That's part of the A.B. package. Or, or it's more a case of the fact that Ben, his only comfortable passing schemes right now, Mark, are when he's cro- the crossing patterns. That's why you're seeing Vance McDonald get hit. That's why you're seeing Juju Smith-Schuster get hit. Even uh, Ryan Switzer, 
that's not been AB's bread and butter. You know, AB's that guy that's going to fly down the side for you more than anything else. And that's been that's been another holdup in this. But he's just got to throw the ball better. Is the Atlanta game must win? Because I think one three and one is a death. Now sentence. you've officially asked that before every game. Now I'm I'm keeping track here. I just want you to know you've you've asked that question before. It's been an before the Cleveland question. game. You asked. No, I didn't ask for the Cleveland game. <laughs> Although if they would have won, it would have helped. It really would have. Uh, is it a must win game? It would sure as hell help. That's that's. Uh, I think it would. I think more than anything. Yeah, they need the result. There's no question. More than anything, they need to start looking like something. You know, on both sides of the ball. Where's their identity? What is this team? That's Days on Kovacevic. I'm Mark Madden. It's not time to ask Mark anything. Dial 412 333 WXDX.